0: do the things in the gym that you want to do. And that's why when we look at these plans that cut out specific macronutrients and call them the enemy, right? It's like, okay, but here's the thing that had a purpose and whatever it was, you've now eliminated. And Kelsey's going to check about the quality of macronutrients is everything. Obviously, the carbs from candy canes are not going to be superior to the carbs from a sweet potato or broccoli or something. We need to talk about quality first, but protein's specific job in the repair of your muscles is why we're going to talk about it in this episode most heavily because when you're talking about eating for gains that's the macronutrient that you need to talk about that and amino acid the big question is this in a world of fake instagram models and bad diets how do real people achieve their fitness goals We are an army of hardworking women, changing their lives through fitness and health, wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere.
1: Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hi guys, and welcome back to the thick Die Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. I'm Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, I
0: wanted to tell you this funny thing. Oh, I got to oh, see, oh, now, look at this. Look at this. All right. I'm not here doing my best. <laughs>
1: look at what?
0: Well, I just noticed that, <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that I had set up on my bad side. <laughs>
1: Fuck! <laughs> You're the only one who knew what you were talking about.
0: <laughs> that's okay. That's like I what? That's typical. Listen, it's a known thing. Everybody knows this, except I only knew it when I googled it. <laughs> that everyone. Has like a preferred side of their face. Oh, well, also what led me to this was that I didn't do it because I, I wanted to have a good day, but that filter that does both sides of your face, have you seen it? No. It separates your face down the middle mm-hmm. and then it takes both sides of your face and then it gives you one side of your face doubled so that mm-hmm. they're exactly the same. And you look totally different because you no know, one's face is symmetrical. Like it doesn't, mm. like ever. No, there, your two sides of your face aren't the same. So when it like transposes it and it makes it look the same, you look like a freaking weird alien. <laughs> No, this is a thing. You should do it, or not if you don't want. To, if you want to have a good day, I probably do just want to have a good day. I didn't do it either. But the reason why I looked this up was because I was like, oh my god, one side of my face is really like when you turn on the selfie camera, you're always like, oh my god, what's the matter with that side? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I guess I just must be weird. But no, I'm not weird. Everybody has. Like an asymmetrical face, and not only that, but prefers the one side. So it's unfortunate because I did some filming with the content team, which I rarely do, and I really try to avoid it at all costs, if I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> Sorry, Isley, <laughs> But like, I had, I don't know why, but it was like I was like a stand in, like I had to fill in for you or something. <laughs> And I was like watching the video, the video they just put up and I was like, oh, come on. That's my bad side.
1: Like people who know me know don't film that side. So you stay out of there. You stay off that side and you stay on the good side. To
0: the other, not over there, over there. And then when I, every time I caught you,
1: (laughs) I see you trying to exercise that. Uh. <laughs> it's my lazy side. Well, it's, no,
0: it's, there's one side that's more expressive.
1: Yeah, that's I, the, it, there, it's the a change. bias. And one side of your face is definitely more expressive. And people generally like their more expressive side. And my left side is my more expressive side. So, there's also another one where people are doing that, like, you take a picture of one side of your face and the other side, and the other, like, you have an evil side of your face, like, you smile, and you take one side of your smile, and it looks like a happy smile, and the other one looks like a really evil smile, and I've seen a couple people do it and been like, oh, my God. Because it's like really accurate. Like, I don't know why it looks like devious, but it looks devious. Like one is just like, yeah, it's a half happy smile. And the other one is like, what are you plotting (laughs) This is what I'm trying to say. They're filming my freaking evil side. And I'm like, this is
0: how I want to come off, guys.
1: I feel like this is just like my tired side.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think it probably looks evil because it's actually just lazy. Because there's the one side that's like like interacting with the world. And then there's the other side that's like, (laughs) I stayed home. I'm in bed.
1: You know what? It's fitting. It's fitting for, you know, how we feel on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. well, what I, so
0: I know that this is overthinking, but this is what I do. So what I do is, it's like, it's that they said typically it's the side that you sleep on. That's the lazy side if you're a side sleeper. So, like, obviously you're just mushing it all night and then it's like, you know, kind of like when we talk about lazy glutes and, like, the fact that people have a hard time firing their glutes when they sit for a significant portion of the day. It's the same thing with your face. (laughs) side will fire because it's just being smushed for eight hours a night. (laughs) So I tried sleeping on my back, which is extremely difficult for me because that's not my life. And my husband told me immediately that I needed to stop because I looked like
1: a corpse. <laughs> also <laughs> also here's the thing rachel is a mouth breather <laughs> yeah yeah that's true <laughs> she sleeps with her mouth open and it's true. real like not just like it's a little crack <laughs> it's a full window open <laughs> It's, I a it's, it's a lot like as i've gone out into the rest of the world okay so you grow up with one person right everyone with siblings knows this if you just have like one sibling or i happen to have two but i primarily i shared a room with rachel growing up so i have seen her sleep since i was <laughs> born so i didn't know if like everyone slept with their what? mouth They don't. But I've realized now that that's just not true. That was an aggressive mouth open sleeping. Like some people have a little crack snorers, they get a little bit more. But the weird part about Mm it is is that she's not a snorer, so she's not like making noise. It's just like open. Just a (laughs) (laughs) drooler.
0: Well, here's when I noticed. when I sleep on my side, which is my natural way to sleep, you know, you wake up in your drool on your pillow. Now, just but when I sleep on my back, it's like my face—it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> <I'm> just like faucet. I'm my drool. mouth <laughs> Well, because I'm not closing my mouth. It should be dry. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. Okay. I want to pose the question to the rest of our listeners, though. Like, are you guys side sleepers, belly sleepers, or back sleepers? I personally am definitely dead in a coffin. <laughs> Except, play oh. the answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not acceptable. It's deafening and my mouth is closed, my eyes oh. and I don't move. <laughs> so. It definitely, like, I teeter between, like, is she dead or is she a vampire? Like, we're not sure. I don't remember
0: this about you, but you were always on the top bunk.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: I couldn't see you much. But I don't remember you sleeping like that.
1: Most of the time, I just sleep on my back, yeah. If I I go to one side, it's definitely this lazy side, but... It's um, a back sleeper for sure. I I mean I could have changed in my old age too because like now I gotta put pillows underneath my knees. (laughs) (laughs) Just prop myself up (laughs)
0: ergonomical
1: (laughs) coffin (laughs) position. Oh yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That's what that's, we're doing here today. That's what we're doing here
0: today. And then, and, and here's the thing: you got to be here for it, or, or, or just you, off you go. Off you go. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a mood, but I I am excited because well, I'm excited for you because I know that you have you're very fired up. About this episode because it's something that you feel extremely strong about and you've done a ton of personal research on this And it's been a very large part of your life for a long time. On the other hand I eat like a trash can So we're just putting that out there. I have delved into this mentality from time to time In my like different courses of where I've been in my training but you are so well versed on this and I'm excited to let you share what you have learned with the world and what we're talking about today guys is eating for gains so basically If you want to maintain muscle mass, grow your muscle mass, if you want to speed up your metabolism through having more muscle mass, this is going to be how to eat to maximize that because there is only so far that the gym is gonna get you before you are gonna stall out on a nutritional basis if you are lacking in certain areas. So we really wanted to take the opportunity to talk about this because you might not think that this is for you. Like when people hear like eating for gains, they automatically think of a smaller athlete or a person with very little body fat or whatever, but that is not the case. I, I wanna bust that up today. Everybody should be eating for gains because the more muscle that you are maintaining, the better off everything in your body is going to work. And the more that you can actually eat without having trouble with gaining too much fat in for for your body. So I just really want to punch home that this episode is definitely for everyone and give us a chance. If you think like, ah, I don't know if I should be eating for gains here, like give it a chance because you you should be.
1: I'm really glad you prefaced it with that because I think a lot of people, as soon as you start talking about eating for gains, they have this mindset that like, it's that video. Like as soon as you like pick up a dumbbell that you like turn into a jacked bodybuilder. And when you hear eating for gains, you think that's what's gonna happen. And the reality is that's actually not what's going to happen. Gaining muscle can be incredibly difficult for a lot of people. It is never that simple. And there is never a circumstance where overnight or in a month or in two months or whatever, you gain an incredible amount of muscle at that rate that you think you are. Um, and these words have been thrown around like bulky and, you know, I don't even want to, I don't even want to entertain them because they're so far from the truth and they're only there to deter you from your goals and actually what health is. And when Rachel talked about, you know, having more muscle and that just being better for your overall health, listen, your muscle supports everything in your body. So if you have knee pain, for example... There is a lot of things that are always going on with people, whether it's an injury, whether it's just overuse, whether it's, you know, impact. But usually when you're having a lot of knee pain, whether it came from an injury, but has lasted all over time, it's continuous impact without appropriate muscle to support your body weight is actually what's causing a lot of that pain. Same thing with like back injuries, everything that's going on with your body the muscle is there to protect and support you. So if you're not supported and you're not protected in your everyday life, of course, we're going to be, you know, experiencing some more pain in some different ways or, um, you know, just not able to do some of the things that we want to do. And then you get into like bone density, just general health so it's a weird, it's just a weird thing that this has been really targeted at women that we, you know, we start to think about gaining muscle and gains and all of those things and how we can eat to support that. And the immediate conception is that like, well, I'll, I'll just turn into like a, a muscly bodybuilder. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of steps between getting a learner's permit and being a race car driver. Like there's a ton of steps in between there. And when we eat to support our muscle, we are not entering in NASCAR. (laughs) That would be such a cool concept if everybody
0: started getting behind the idea that joint pain was or was a result or could be potentially solved by gaining muscle. Imagine if you went to your doctor with knee pain, lower back pain, shoulder pain, and your doctor's prescription was that you needed to take a half day from work and go ahead and get some rehab in and build up the muscle, the surrounding muscles. Like that is,
1: that's the world I want to live in. I'll tell you what I'm just saying. I'm saying and I think that when we start to talk about muscle and we start to talk about muscle growth immediately the conversation goes to what are you doing in the gym because that's where we really think muscle growth happens but the reality is that's where muscle breakdown happens muscle growth happens when you're not in the gym so we break things down to build them back up and that that's the general that's the general rule here if we can simplify it to, to, you know, that basics is that, you know, when we're there, when we're lifting, when we're breaking down, we are breaking it down to then build it up further. But the buildup happens when you are recovering, when you're sleeping and when you are eating. So (laughs) let's talk about eating. Can you build muscle when you are in a caloric deficit? You cannot. (laughs) you need to be in a caloric surplus to build muscle. Now, what I want to pause on that for, because I know like we don't talk a lot about calories in all of our episodes. We really don't have a focus on that. And there's a reason for that. And I want to make sure that's very clear as we talk about being in a caloric surplus. And when we talk about building muscle is that nutrients is still... The most important thing when it comes to building muscle, because even if you're in a caloric surplus, your body is looking at the nutrients that it's gaining, right? So it's looking at where am I getting my core nutrients? Where am I getting what I need to grow and getting the basics done? So like the basics are like brain function, just like everyday functions. Like it's not looking at building additional things until your basic needs are met right? So like, that's just, that's just right on the bottom line there. And our basic needs are met not only from calories. And I like to talk to people about like, you are a giant houseplant, And if you want your houseplant to start growing some beautiful flowers and you just like throw candy canes in there, like, is it going to grow beautiful flowers? It, no, it's not. It needs its nutrients, right? So it needs like water, it needs sunshine, it needs like Whatever shit you're putting in the dirt, make <laughs> it grow. I like, has a lot of fake plants. So maybe I have a lot of fake plants. <laughs> you don't ask her about that
0: aspect of it. Oh,
1: no, but I know that I can't feed it candy canes. And I, a lot of people are going, like, well, I'm feeding it stuff, right? I'm putting stuff in there. Okay, but you're not putting the right stuff in there. And that's why we have to talk about actually what we are feeding our bodies when it comes to building muscle and what the building blocks of muscle are. And that's when, you know, as soon as you say the building blocks of muscle, everyone goes like, I know the answer to this, protein. And you are right. I mean, protein, carbs, fats are like all necessary and all very important at different aspects of your training. So I don't want to minimize the importance of carbohydrates in your post-workout Pre even like I don't want to minimize that, but we are going to talk specifically about protein because number one, it's a building block, <laughs> and it's super important to your overall fuel if you are hoping to gain muscle. Well, I think that it's this
0: is where an understanding a basic understanding because you don't need this unbelievable scientific like people think like they don't know what to eat unless they understand like the specific science behind every nutrient and that's just not it Uh, if you have a basic understanding of the macronutrients you can understand that each of them serve a unique and important purpose when you're talking about The going in the gym to break down the muscle. Carbs are a great macronutrient for that job, right? You need to be able to go in fueled and you need to be able to go in sharp and you need to be able to go in with enough energy to do the kind of damage to your muscles that you want to do. You want to break them down, right? So, You can't go in there on an empty tank, which carbs provide you that fuel so that you're sharp, so that you have lasting energy, so that you can do the things in the gym that you want to do. And that's why when we look at these plans that cut out specific macronutrients and call them the enemy, right? It's like... (sighs) Okay, but here's the thing, that had a purpose and whatever it was, you've now eliminated. And Kelsey's gonna talk about the quality of macronutrients is everything. Obviously, the carbs from candy canes are not going to be superior to the carbs from a sweet potato or broccoli or something. We need to talk about quality first, but protein's specific job in the repair of your muscles is why we're going to talk about it in this episode most heavily because when you're talking about eating for gains, that's the macronutrient that you need to talk about, that and amino acids.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's important to know, as we talk about protein too, like protein is one of those macronutrients. I mean, you know, when you have a good amount of protein, you stay fuller for longer. And there's a reason for that because like you're, you're able to sustain longer. It's a little bit of a a slower digestion process. So that's why you're also staying fuller for longer, but you're getting what your body needs. So if you're the type of person who like starts your day, so like you're in a good gym routine, right? But like you start your day with something like cereal or a muffin or things like that, that aren't, that are not protein heavy at all, that are not providing a good source of protein to start your day. And you find that you feel just like famished throughout the day, there's a reason for that. So your energy expenditure, and as you're looking to repair your muscles that you may be broken down during the week, they're looking for that source. They're calling for it. They're really calling for more protein. And it calls your body and says, like, give me more. And you keep giving it the thing that it's not, that doesn't want really. You're like, okay, I'm going to have a muffin or I'm going to have these other things. And like, at the same time, like it's not looking for that. It's broken down. It needs protein to repair and you're giving it different things. So it's kind of a no wonder why you're constantly hungry and constantly looking for different snacks. And you're like, okay, but like I started lifting weights and I just cannot stop eating. But it's like, hold on, let's pause there for a second. What are we eating and is it making you feel full and sustained throughout like and I'm not saying you have a breakfast and that's throughout the day. no no no, don't get me wrong at all. <laughs> I'm saying we got to look for that good so like protein source specifically in the beginning of the day as you are you know playing with some of your gym routines and looking to build up some muscle. The other thing that I want to talk about when we are talking about muscle, metabolism, calorie consumption, body fat, all of these things, let's be real clear about this for a second. The idea that we need to consume the least amount of calories possible to obtain some type of aesthetic that we're looking for, that's really what's been pushed on us. And I think that when we just break it down, I know we've done this in some episodes, but I really want to be very clear about this. When we're looking to do that and we have, we do not have the ability to build muscle during those times, it's a race to the bottom because we know exactly what muscle does for the rest of our body, right? It increases the speed of your metabolism. So the demands are a little bit higher, but it's working much harder. So you're pushing up that metabolism. The more muscle that you have on your body, the more likely you are to maintain a lower body fat percentage, okay? Because you're eating to fuel those muscles. So when we're in this like race to the bottom with like the lowest amount of calories and we're not building any muscle, like it is really just a race to the bottom because like, where are you at a maintain? Well, that's so much
0: of the problem when we see people starting a new fitness routine or, or uneducated trainers who are setting these low calorie counts and arbitrary very calorie counts, arbitrary, first of all completely not customized and half the time they are not coming with uh, nutrient requirements in the form of macros so it's like just 1200 calories of whatever which i mean like i can't even begin on that but like the thing that i think that is really the the biggest misconception and the thing that people keep getting stuck on is they start and they're eating this really low calorie diet and they've upped their exercise tremendously. Maybe they're coming from very little or the couch or, you know, just like walking and they're trying to get in the gym and lift and and do more high intensity kinds of workouts. And simultaneously, they've lowered their calories. And at a certain point, They stop seeing progress, and the answer always from these uneducated people is, "Well, then lower it now." Well, well, okay, yep. Well, we gotta lower it again.
1: Good, get back in the race to the bottom.
0: (sighs) How many times? Oh, is the goal to be at zero? Like you need to consider the fact that in a race to the bottom, there is going to be a place where you can no longer lower it and function. And is that the goal? Is it to get to like, to find the place where you can no longer like get out of bed and get to the gym because your calories are so low? Like that isn't the answer. It's never been the answer. And if you have been suggested by a health professional or any kind of fitness professional to just continuously lower your calories. Once you hit a plateau, you need to throw them out the window,
1: throw them out the window, run in the opposite direction. They just don't know what they're talking about. And like, they could just be ignorant, but then stop. then stop advising people. (laughs) But it is your job to make sure that you are listening to those that align with you and make sure you are continuously talking about health. And if something doesn't sound like health to you, then you can, you can really start to question that because like, even when we're talking about, I know, obviously when we're talking about weight, when we're talking about calories, even when we're talking about body fat, like, but living a healthy lifestyle is going to look different for everyone. And you're going to need to define that for yourself. But the other things, you know, you know, body fat percentage and sometimes weight, those are byproducts of what you're actually doing. So if you are setting a sole goal for weight loss or like a body fat percentage, I really just want you to, to just look at that and maybe reevaluate a little bit. Because even if that's part of what you would like to see, for yourself, realize that it's going to be a byproduct of, of health for you. And that's going to look very different because looking at somebody else's body fat percentage and saying like, I'd like to, I'd like to have that number one, it's not realistic because you're not living in their body. You don't have the same genetics. It's just, it's just not, it's just not it. <laughs> There's so many reasons. It's just not it. But the fact is, is that like when you get to a healthy body composition, healthy weight for you, the, re- all of those other things, they're just a byproduct of what you're doing to live a healthy lifestyle.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I, I've been seeing it's small, but it's a movement. I've been seeing a small movement of fitness, fitness influencers who are showing videos of them at a very low body fat percentage or a very low weight on scale or whatever, being the cardio queen and being in a severe caloric deficit and saying what the byproducts of that were for them, mm-hmm. hair, hair falling out, hair loss, yeah, mm-hmm. their skin being terrible, their sleep patterns being com- a complete disaster. Then like their kind of, I, I learned better video of them plus 20 pounds. And like the difference in their health byproducts of how they're reporting their hair looks, their skin looks, their nails, their sleep patterns, like all of it is like, listen, health isn't a body fat percentage. It's not a weight. It's never been. And anybody who has reached really low body fat percentage goals or really low, you know, has been like at a really low weight. I can think of for myself, like when people say like constantly, oh, I want to be at my high school weight, whatever. Like I think of what I was eating in high school and what my like general health markers would have been for the fact that I had a bag of Doritos and and three cookies for lunch every single day of school like that's what I eat and I think of like my energy my health like the that I yeah it was 115 pounds but I wasn't healthy so like what does it matter so that's a really important thing is like when you when people start talking about gaining muscle or eating in a surplus it sends up red flags of like oh my god but but what will that look like on you? Healthy will look like on you what it's going to look like. And the look, the aesthetic is going to be a byproduct of your health. And I think when everybody is sits with that and is comfortable with that, that like being at a low body percentage and having your hair fall out isn't actually
1: the goal. <laughs> God, Yeah. Like let's, let's just like bust that up for a second. Cause I know, you know, I know I get it. So people want to have some aesthetic goals and they want to, they have this, this idea, but if we can just stop for a second and, and get realistic about what we want our life to look like overall, how we want to feel, how we want to enjoy life, how we want to gain this whole thing and how we want to spend our time here. Like it's, it's going to be really important to put your health first. And realize that like the, the thing that comes after that is so much better than anything else that could happen on the scale or that could happen at a body fat percentage. It's just going to be so much more important. And I just want to say too, like we're talking about gaining muscle and we're talking about eating for gains and how important that is and how important that mindset is and just like not being afraid to eat for gains. It can sound so scary. For some people, it can sound really scary and just can feel off center because it's like, well, I was told to eat for losses for my entire life. How am I supposed to really redefine this? It can definitely be scary. But there's also a, I also just want to say there is a big genetic component to how much muscle you have the ability to gain, especially over a period of time. And that it's a very important one. <laughs> I've learned this the hard way for many, many years. And it can be a frustrating one. And that this goes for just any one of your goals, really, because we have this idea of what we want in our minds. And we're like, oh, well, why is my genetics working against me? Like, I made a funny video about it one time where, like, it was just, it just like swapped to like me trying to stand up from a clean and my genetics being like, hmm. <laughs> no, 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 Not you girl. You're not well, the not one you, girl. <laughs> but the thing about eating for gains and any type of healthy lifestyle is that when you are eating for muscle growth, you have to realize that growth in any form forever is a slow process. When you're talking about growth mentally in your life, really making those changes that are sustainable and that are really full of, of depth and importance. They take a long time. And the same thing goes with your muscles. Like you don't just say, like, I'm eating for gains and then you gain 10 pounds of muscle. Like that's just, that's just not true. And as you see your weight fluctuate on the scale, which you should just throw out because it's completely irrelevant, you are not gaining and losing muscle uh, over weeks months, even, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but a woman that is training at a very high to gain muscle has the ability to gain about two pounds of muscle per year. Okay. Of muscle per year. That's not exact. don't quote me on it. It's around there. And believe me, I've done a lot of reading on this because I'm like, well, what am I just not doing? But when you see any fluctuation from week to week, even from month to month, that ha- that you're like, well, I've gained and lost muscle. No. No, you haven't. <laughs> it's water, it's blood,
0: it's the size of your uterus. It's it's like a million other things that are not, it's not that. It's not that. It's what's in your gut. Like if you want a reason to throw the scale out, we have several episodes on why weighing yourself is like a, not a good way to track your actual body composition. Or your
1: muscle growth. Or it's your just muscle. Not, it's not a great way to track it at all.
0: But like, I'm really glad that you said about that it's a long game because first of all, it's hard to hear, but you got to hear it. And secondly, the thing about those kinds of growths where you're saying like, I'm trying to grow as a person. I'm trying to grow my muscles. I'm trying to grow in this area of my life. Like they are a long game, but (laughs) they're always worth it. You know, they're always worth it. Every time any attempt to have growth in your life is going to be worth it and I muscle growth is it, it, I can't even tell you I, I'll just say from my personal experience okay I started weightlifting fairly late with regards to like where the girls are doing it now I mean like I didn't lift throughout high school that was never pushed um, even though I was like in tons of athletics And I didn't even really lift in college. I mean, we had like one day of strength training, but it was along with plyo stuff. So it was like not even like weight specific. I didn't start like lifting until I was like in my mid 20s. And let me tell you, I gained so much muscle at that time that since then working out has taken a very backseat in my life. This is not the season where it's first and I work out pretty infrequently as far as like getting in a full training session or like getting in more than just like, well, I got dumbbells in my car or whatever. I'm not training at a high level anymore, but it is so amazing how easy it is to maintain my body fat percentage. Because of the muscle that I built up over all those years of training, like, you know, 10 years of like lift and heavy, I have perpetual gains from that, which is now I'm not feeding that as much. I'm not lifting as heavy. I'm not building that muscle, but it's still intact to the point where it's supporting me to be pain-free. It's keeping my metabolism at a place where I'm not gaining weight very, like very easily, despite the fact that I've lowered my activity level. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. So it's worth the work is what I mean. Like it was a long game for me. I did that for 10 years and then I was, I, I'm very much missing it now and I know it will be back, but I just want to say, like, mom, same thing. She's had to lower her training schedule a little bit. She's trying to get in more walks and stuff. But she still sees all the benefits of her muscles in her metabolism because of all those years of strength training.
1: So, yeah. That's a really important point. And one I want to highlight with when it goes to fueling alongside of that, if you've had something that you have really worked hard to build to be that concrete, to be really like solid building blocks over a period of something like 10 years, you also along the way have been able to adjust how you are fueling based on your activity level. And you're not married to these like... Like, well, I have to get in this much and this much and this much. It's just kind of like, okay, well, my activity level has decreased. And then naturally, you know, my consumption along with, you know, my energy that I needed has also decreased around those times or has changed or I've had different cravings. Like, It's really important to not only notice how how these changes affect or can be sustained from a physical standpoint with your workouts, but how you've been able to maintain fueling your body along with that and how that really, it really does change. It changes when you're like, oh, okay, I know I, I need a little bit more of this, but that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in months. It doesn't even happen, you know, in a year. It's one of those things that just like, it really is part of the long game and nobody wants to hear that, but I want it. It's just like, I got to drill in that. It's so worth it. So like, when is the ideal time to eat protein? because that is one of the questions that I get asked all the time and so here's the thing you would you should have protein throughout your day in every meal and that's just one of the things that like everyone wants to look at your specific workout how much protein should i have before my workout after my workout like Is it the most important? The most important thing is that you, this is from just from me, the most important thing is that you are having consistent protein throughout your day. It's just like everything else. It's just like everything else. One hard
0: workout every week compared to four lower intensity workouts. Like it's always gonna be about consistency. You're not gonna just jam a bunch of protein in right pre pre your post workout and go like all right got my m- nutrition in for the day like it's about consistency that is the key
1: Yeah. And having a protein before that is a little bit of a slower digestive protein throughout your day is really important. And then a quicker one afterwards is always ideal because your body is looking for that. It's really, you know, if you finished a hard workout, you know that you have this like... You hit this like really hungry state. <laughs> it doesn't happen right when you finish. It's just like, oh, it's a little bit. Sometimes actually it happens like mid-training session for me. Definitely not mid-conditioning, but like mid-training session. I'm like, oh, I got to have a snack. And I always give myself a snack. <laughs> it's in some of my videos. You'll see me walking by Isley's camera just like eating things. <laughs> but like I'm also looking to grow my muscles. I'm looking to fuel for gains. So a lot of people ask, like, what do those protein sources look like? Those protein sources can look very different for everyone. And this is going to be based on your personal preference. Do I think there is a superior protein to other proteins? Not really. Honestly, like what I would say to you guys is that you want to make sure that you are getting the majority of your protein sources from food. I would not say that you would you would look for your main protein source from a shake. Can you supplement a shake in there if you don't have the ability to meet your protein needs throughout the day? Yes, absolutely, you can. So the the idea behind that is is that like you can supplement what you aren't aren't getting, or if you're like, okay, I have a long drive after, you know, my workout, or I want a quick absorbent protein, then you can use supplements for that kind of a thing. But it really shouldn't, as we start to talk about protein and, and sustainable changes, that's just not the number one thing on your list. As you start to dial back and you start to dial things in, we can talk about that. The thing that we just want to like drill home with protein sources that are from a supplement is that you want to look at what else is in there, <laughs> like exclamation point, because if you're taking in a ton of other things. If you're taking in a ton of added sugars, like things that you just don't want in your body, like Are we doing what we're trying to do? Are we adding what we are looking to add to our diet overall if we are adding just like a ton of fake sugars and and shit protein? Like I got to say, there's a lot of supplement companies out there that just are giving not good protein sources and... They're just running rampant. (laughs)
0: They're running rampant. The supplement industry is just not regulated to a place where, like, I feel comfortable, you know, going hard on any, anyone's supplement. It's, it's, it's a weird thing because we talk about the importance of protein, but we also talk about the importance of making a system. That fits in your lifestyle and i know for a lot of people the idea of having uh the the planning in place to get enough protein in during the day and to get a slower digesting protein before a workout and a fast digesting protein after a workout like sometimes it's like this is overwhelming and i just i i want to do something that I that I feel like he can do day in and day out, right? Because again, so you it's can count efficiency. on mm-hmm. exactly. So it's a weird thing because we love convenience, right? And supplements, protein shakes, make things more convenient. But the problem is is that we're not trying to do. We're not trying to take in protein at the expense of other things, right? So like, uh, the artificial sweeteners are a problem in the, in the, for me, in the protein space. The artificial sweeteners are just, they just, for me, outweigh Some of the benefits of taking in a protein because they kind of create those and promote those cravings for, you know, birthday cake and whatever. And we also have seen tons of studies about artificial sugars and what they do to your body long term. So, I mean, it's not my favorite, right? But, there are a lot of, and also a lot of people are lactose intolerant. So like they're looking at whey proteins and being like, okay, I'm, I could do that, but I'm going to shit my pants. So I mean, is that worth getting the protein in? And I know that's a protein problem for a lot of people because like so much, of the slow digesting proteins come from dairy and people are like, dude, I can't do dairy. If you want to be around me, I don't want me near dairy. So the good thing about protein blowing up as like a huge macro and that it's very sought after is that there are a lot of choices now. And I think that you can make a good shake choice if you are careful. I also think you can make a dairy-free good shake choice I personally have taken pea protein I know it's not for everybody but I loved it it was unflavored which what like a lot of people are like okay gag but understand you're not the purpose of taking a protein shake isn't to fulfill like a craving for sweets like that's not (laughs) that's not the purpose of it right it's to actually get protein into your body and we don't want. If you have a craving for sweets, just have some sweets. Like, you know what I mean. But you
1: could also just put a pineapple in there, and that's what I like, did. Yeah, it's like there are some nice fruits that you can add to things that you're just like, oh, that just changed that all up for me. That was my my post workout
0: was pea protein that was unflavored, and then I just added a bunch of like delicious like fresh fruit to it in a blender, and I loved it. I know that obviously the just shaky shaky. Is a little bit more convenient than the blender. Again,
1: convenience. I know.
0: But you know what? Now they have that blend jet. Have you seen that? Yeah, you can take it like with you. That's what, like game changer, game changer. And I loved it.
1: I, I think that, like, you you guys are lucky because you get the two ends of the spectrum here where, like, I think Rachel definitely will put more effort into getting something that she likes. And, like, she'll, like, she has, like, a nice coffee machine, right? There's, like, a frother and stuff. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but your coffee tea like your shit.
1: <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. Like I've, I used to just like think of myself as being like, like, why can't I just do these things? Like everyone is enjoying these like nice little perks in life that like, I'm just not enjoying. Like every time I went to my mom's house, she would make a smoothie for me and like, she'd put all these things in it. And I'm like, she's dirtying so many dishes right now. I'm glad I don't have to do those dishes. Like, I just don't. I don't want the mess. I don't, I would never make one of those, not at my house, not even on my most energized day. I'm just not going to do it because there's a lot of effort. That comes <laughs> And I'm just moving on. Like, I'm just, like, out the door. I'd rather, like, just do other things. So I think you guys, like. like give them an option for. That's what I'm saying. Like, you yeah. guys are getting a good, like, two ends of the spectrum where if, like, you could bring the plug-in thing and stuff. But also, you could just be like, I'm going to put this in there. I'm going to add water to it. And I'm just <laughs> move along with my day. Like sometimes my protein source, like I know I'm famous for having chicken in a bag, but I also do Turkey meat. So I really branch out, but that's just like emergency me and my emergency proteins. This is how serious I think protein is. It's an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, but I'll just put it in a bag and it does it really doesn't have to be complicated one of the things that I just want to like make sure as we're putting out there is that like if you can take anything from this episode number one you should be eating for gains and like define that in your mind like however but the idea is not that we are going to get the smallest possible at any expense is that we want to live a life that ha- that we can maintain you know some type of muscle mass and that we are eating appropriately to be able to maintain some of that muscle mass. And you have and most women, I would say very, like across the board, most women are not eating enough protein. As you get older, you need to have more protein your, your, uh, need for protein increases. So it's not even like, it's not like it's, it's not in your mind. No, No, is what I'm saying. It's not in your mind. Like you're not just going around being like, well, I don't know. I think I need, I I don't know. It feels like I need to eat more. You might be getting those cravings and it's coming to you as I need to eat more, but really look at what you need to eat more. How do you feel after you eat something? What is your what is your first meal of the day look like and does it include a protein source? I think that when we talk about eating for gains,
0: just think of it as health gains. Health We're gains. Eating for health gains, okay? That comes in the form of muscle but that also translates to so many different areas of your life and understand that if you are in a severe caloric deficit, you are also most likely in a severe nutrient deficit and that has prices to pay. And the fact is, is if your muscles cannot get enough of a food source to sustain themselves, they will take from something, or your, I'm sorry, your body does not have enough places to draw nutrients from, it will take from something, and the thing will be your muscles. And when we are working out hard in the gym, and then not eating enough, and our body is stealing our gains right from under us. Right from under us, yeah. That is the biggest tragedy that I see in women's health today, is women training hard, working out to be healthier and then not eating enough and not seeing the fruits of their labor because their body is stealing from their muscles to just subsist.
1: I just, I know that I get really passionate about this topic because like, I wish someone had told me, I wish they had just like shaken me for many years and said like, you're working against yourself right now. Like all that you're doing, because like many women, I went to the gym and I worked really hard for hours and then I would eat the least amount of possible because what I was looking for was some aesthetic that was just not it. And it was just this. Race to the bottom. And that's how I lived my life though, because like these are choices we're making on a daily basis. And if we think the choices that we're making on the daily basis with our body and how we treat our body and how we talk to ourselves aren't affecting the rest of our lives and how affecting how we live our lives, like that's crazy. It absolutely is. This is the body. This is the vessel that you live this life in and how you treat it and how you have this overall picture of how you're going to treat it is going to translate into the rest of your life. So eat for gains, eat some protein, stop what you're doing right now. (laughs) Go (laughs) drink drink some
0: water go have some water oh another important extremely important building block of muscle output and and endurance and ability is listen your muscle, muscle hydrated.
1: is either a grape or a raisin okay <laughs> and the difference between those is water <laughs> So
0: go have a big glass of water, go get some nut butter, protein source have some chicken in a bag, do whatever works for you. (laughs) I love it. But you know what? Think about the way that you're eating as gaining your health back. And that is, mentality really
1: will guide you better than any diet ever could. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.